everyone and welcome to the podcast series Rendezvous with the Mind. The series is aimed at eradicating the stigma around mental health. I am Priyanka Prabhu, a recent MBA grad from the Schulich School of Business. We have with us today Ms. Milena. She holds a PhD in integral health, specializing in mental health in young adults. She develops programs for prevention and early intervention. In conversation with Milena today, we will address the kinds of mental health scenarios, the topic of heart rate variability, improving resilience as we tackle the new reality amidst the ongoing pandemic crisis. Let's start with understanding what one means by mental health. According to World Health Organization, mental health is the state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with normal stresses of life, can work productively and truthfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her own community. While mentalhealth.gov states that mental health is a state of emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Milena, can you help us further understand the term mental health? Thank you so much, Priyanka. Thank you for initiating this amazing uh, mental health podcast. Um, and thank you for inviting me. So yes, I, I loved the definitions you used from the World Health Organization about what mental health really is. It really is all, all about kind of thriving mentally, uh, right? Being able to enjoy life, being able to enjoy positive experiences and kind of have like a, an experience of being human, right? And when it comes to different ways we can kind of approach mental health and mental health disorders, it's important to really know that there are different kinds of uh, disorders, right? So we have common mental disorders such as uh, anxiety and depression, and these actually affect uh, up to 90% of uh, people, right? Um, at some point in, in our lives, we're going to have an experience uh, of a level of anxiety or a level of worry, right? Which is quite normal. Um, so it's important to kind of know that these common mental disorders such as anxiety are actually affecting all of us. They're not happening in isolation. Um, and it's a part of kind of human condition as well. So it's, it's really important to talk about that. Um, and then there are um, more rare mental disorders, such as schizophrenia, uh, bipolar, um, as well as psychosis. But these account for about 2% of the population. And they're more rare, obviously. And they're kind of more uh, complex in treatment. So we need like special medical treatment for those. But when it comes to anxiety and depression, which is really what we're talking about here, right? It's important to know that these occur in stages, right? So most of the time I hear people say, oh, I'm either depressed or not depressed, right? Uh, but really um, understanding that these occur in stages is important when it comes to kind of recognizing, should we be worried about this, right? So in terms of stages, we have normal mild, and then clinical or moderate, and severe. Um, and, you know, it's very uh, normal to have a, a certain level of worry, you know, even without the virus in kind of everyday life, we'll always have something to kind of think about or maybe worry about. But we need to kind of understand that, you know, worrying sometimes is very different from uh, being worried all the time, every day, and kind of not being able to enjoy things that we want to enjoy. Right? What are your thoughts about the negative stigma around mental health, something that's very prevalent in today's age and time, and has led people to one of the most common myths around mental health, which is, mental health is not a problem for me. 
How important do you think it is to be aware of sanity levels today? And what are your comments on the urgency to accept one's psychological state of mind given the overbearing external and internal environments that we live in today's age and time? Yeah, so that, that's a very good question. How important is it today? I think it's really of cru- crucial importance um, and not only to become more aware of um, our own mental state, but to really become aware also of the state of the mind that uh, people around us, our family are in, um, as well as our coworkers, and to kind of really be aware, you know, if they're worried too much and what can be done about that. Now, the nature of the nervous system is such that it's based on patterns, right? So if we start worrying, the connections in the brain and the nervous system are gonna get wired for worry. Right. That's kind of one of the aspects of neuroplasticity that I think more people can kind of become more aware of. So if we kind of allow ourselves to worry a lot and not do anything to kind of maybe disrupt those worrying thoughts, then we're actually kind of disposing ourselves for more worry and more severe stages of of the disorder as well. And when it comes to that point, it's more difficult to treat because the neurological pathways become very strong. So then you might need something like medication or I know for cognitive behavioral therapy, it takes a long time, right? And and for young people, um, they often wait too long to look for help, right? Um, So that's why it's important to talk about prevention and early intervention and kind of recognizing the symptoms early on. What do you think are the early symptoms? Like, uh, you know, when should a person start to understand that, you know what, I am moving away from my, you know, comfort, mental sanity. And now that, you know, I need to work on myself at this moment before it gets worse. Yeah, so that's an excellent question. So so basically, we know a lot about the mechanisms of worry, right? Um, In cognitive science, we now know that there's something called the default mode network, which is this network structure in the brain that kind of connects our experience of things that happen right? So it's kind of the outside world with our deep memories and emotions and thoughts, right? So in this default mode network, we kind of create a way of thinking about things, right? With a certain structure in place. And if this structure becomes too rigid, so if we start like over-identifying with certain things or maybe taking the crisis too personally, if we think it's just happening to us and, and you know, it's nothing is going to be good um, in the future and things like that, then we're kind of allowing this default mode network to kind of hijack everything in our brain, right? Because we're a lot more than our thought and a lot more than our emotions. So uh, that's why it's very important to kind of learn how to still the mind on the regular basis um, and to have like a daily practice of uh, just stilling the mind, you know, meditating, deep breathing, going outside for a meditative walk or things like that. Um, Because it's not that from a state of worry, you're going to go into a state of not worry unless you still the mind first, right? That's right. And I like this very important question that's a reflection of a survey, which states that, you know, uh, mental health is most prevalent in early 20s and young adults. And it takes a toll on their confidence, their performance at work, their personal relationships. And most often people don't even know that they're going through the process in which that may, uh, their mind is not able to process information right. And they have a few trigger points in their environment that causes them to 
you know, act otherwise than they actually wish to. Mm-hmm. So what is your take on that? Well, I think um, uh, actually young adulthood is a very important time in life. It's a transitional uh, period of life that, you know, anything that happens during that time will affect our career, will affect our relationships, will affect our social position and, and our future overall, as well as our health and well-being, right? So it's not surprising that this kind of transitional period in life, um, actually during this time, people experience more anxiety and depression, uh, right? So um, the idea around um, kind of helping young people uh, during this time, which is what I specialize in as I work in universities, uh, you know, different educational institutions, is to really give young people control over their mental health and to kind of teach them how to recognize their thoughts, their emotions, how to become more in touch with who they are beyond the conceptual mind And that kind of opens up this awareness of how interconnected we are and how we don't have to worry about every single thing because, um, you know, everybody is doing their part, right? So we kind of feel more supported by the world as opposed to uh, kind of being in competition with the world, right? Um, And this is why I think that the virus is a... You know, it's it's a very complex time, but it's a good time to um, kind of bring us to another level of awareness and another mindset where we see each other as deeply interconnected and where we talk more about things that are important to us and kind of help each other go through this time and also build new ways to deal with things. The idea is that during this very uncertain and complex time, we need to develop a new relationship with uncertainty and with change. Right. We can't kind of just pretend that things should be always certain because they're obviously not. Right. So there's a need to kind of adjust to a new level of uncertainty and change, which, of course, means increasing our mental resilience and our ability to deal with change quickly. Right. There's a lot of different ways that a person can kind of help themselves build resilience. There's actually um, really important science around heart rate variability right now. Um, that's kind of coming up to the front. And uh, heart rate variability is the only physiological way to measure anxiety and depression. And what it actually tells us is um, how resilient is the whole system, right? So if there is high variability, then we have more resilience. Then we can go from an active state into a relaxed state more quickly, right? And people who are experiencing a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, typically feel like they're holding something very heavy, right? It's, it's, a, it's a lot of stress on the system. And this causes a reduction in heart rate variability or our ability to handle stress, right? Both mental and physical. Um, so the way to improve heart rate variability is through exercise. So any type of exercise, but uh, specifically high intensity kind of interval training that allows us to go into a state of like high activity and then a state of relaxation, right? And then again, more activity and more relaxation. Also, what's, uh, what can be used is deep breathing exercises. Um, those are very important as well. Also, anything that we can do to get into a flow state, right? A state of being where we're kind of uh, responding very quickly to our environment, right? So whether that's things like dancing, right? Or cooking or making music or playing sports, right? So those are the flow activities and they activate our natural kind of state um, and they improve 
they can improve heart rate variability. And then, of course, spending time in stillness, meditation uh, really trains the brain to get out of that default mode network, right? To kind of relax all the pressures on the self and to kind of just be, right? Um, so there's a lot of research on uh, meditators and especially um, like if, if uh, your audience wants to try um, things like loving kindness or meta meditation, where we kind of experience through a meditation our interconnectedness with things, right? So that's what really improves this um, uh, heart rate variability response, relaxation response. Um, another thing that's really important for heart rate variability is uh, reducing toxins in the environment or not exposing yourself to the toxins. And for this, I would just like to say it's kind of like we need to be aware of how important clean water, clean air are. And then to kind of promote that in the way we vote and in the, the way we're engaged in the community, right? We need to kind of feel that healthy flow of energy or chi in some philosophies. We need to feel that every day because if we don't, then we're kind of creating more stress on the system without enough recovery and rejuvenation and our uh, resilience is going to be uh, decreased. Well, let's talk about your latest article, which you uh, published on Medium called the COVID Mindset Survey. Your major audience were Canadians and they stated that gratefulness was the most prevalent em uh, emotion amongst them, uh, you know, during the ongoing yeah. crisis. But it, uh, somehow worry was the other survey with, again, Canadians of the major audience, which is uh, conducted by Angus Wade Institute. People reacted, like Canadians reacted to it saying, you know, worry was the most uh, uh, felt emotion while gratefulness took like the third spot. Do you yes. think that this difference is the most notable reasons for people to realize that mental health is very volatile in nature and, you know, your reactions depend on time, circumstances, uh, individual, uh, you know, uh, environments and it's very individual-centric. Do you think this is an apt way to say that? You know, mental health is both uh, individual. It's experienced personally. Mm -hmm. But it's also something that happens at the collect collective level, right? Mm -hmm. So the mind is not something that's located in the brain that belongs to me, right? Our, my mind is constantly being influenced by everything that's happening. So it's about a relationship that I have with the world that's gonna kind of indicate, uh, you know, the, the quality and the health of my mind, right? Um, so my survey showed that about 70% of participants um, were feeling grateful uh, during the time of lockdown. Um, and then that was followed by feeling hopeful, which was 49%, and that was followed by connected, which was 40%, and then um, that was followed by worried, which was 39%, right? Yeah. So what I did in my surveys, is I, I allowed a lot of different options, emotions to choose from in the range of both negative and positive. The Angus Reid survey, you know, it often depends on the kind of questions you ask in the survey and the, the options you provide for responses. So from what I saw, the Angus Reid survey was more geared towards negative responses because it actually had more negative than positive options. So I think people were maybe, you know, they just had different things to choose from. Also, I think we need to be kind of careful about how we talk about mental health and what the consequences of COVID crisis will be on mental health. The Angus Reid survey concluded that 
50% um, of their participants were experiencing a little bit or a lot of worry, right? And to me, that's interesting how they kind of presented that data because if you're in the mental health field, you know that there's a big difference between feeling a little bit worried, which is quite normal in this situation, and feeling a lot more worried, right? So those are the stages that we kind of talked about. So grouping these together might not give us a lot of information on, you know, what will the mental state be in the future. Uh, from my survey, about 57% of participants said that they actually are, um, uh, they expect or envision to, to have a growth-oriented and positive mindset. When the crisis is over, they, they are looking forward to, you know, practicing uh, gratefulness for small things every day. They're looking forward to doing things that they were not able to do. So um, I think my survey just allowed for more, definitely um, I had open answers. So people were kind of writing whatever came to mind, but also it allowed more options when it came to positive emotions. Thank you, Milana, for that wonderful response. With that, we come to the end of today's podcast. I would like to thank Ms. Milana for this instrumental session on the shades of mental health. Before I bid goodbye, I would like my viewers to be aware that mental health is just as important as physical health and seeking help when required is not a sign of weakness, but that of strength. Thank you.